line with a credit card. So it is very much uh, told somebody recently that that uh, I was glad to see that Kroger had started started doing the the quick list or whatever it's called. Uh, they're, they're a little bit behind us though. We've been doing that for, for <laughs> since about 2014. So I'm glad that they finally caught on, but, uh, anyway, that's kind of what it is. You're able to pick out exactly what you want. We deliver it to that drop off location, the CSA, uh, the way that works. And we do have, we have a flower CSA. Uh, we have a, a meat CSA. We do have a cheese CSA. And then the vegetable CSA is, is our big one uh the one that we have the most shares for and with that uh folks go in and they can either pay for everything one thing that we do a little bit differently from a lot of farms uh a lot of farms have the uh will have their customers pay everything up front so you have to pay for you pay for an entire season's worth of produce at once and uh and and pay that up front we see a lot of value in trying to trying to make our food more accessible to folks. And I mean, we know it's tough to, we know it can be tough to come up with however much it is, whatever size CSA you get to maybe come up with a few, several hundred dollars to drop on your groceries for the next t two months. Uh, we understand that. Uh, so one thing that we do that's a little bit different is we do a uh, can do a weekly payment. So you sign up for the CSA and then you just pay each week, and uh, and it's just uh, kind of just paid each week when your uh, food or your flour show up. So that's that's one thing that we do a little bit differently. Uh, on the on both the meat and the vegetable CSA, we do have several different sizes of that. And uh, we we've kind of figured that out over the years from really just talking to our customers. We're really really big on customer feedback. We talk to people, see how they're using the products. We've had several events out at the farm. We've had we've had events like in Hazard a few years ago with uh, at Jabos when Jabos was still in Hazard and uh, bought pizza for a bunch of our customers. Like, hey, come on over and let's just. Let's just talk about what we're doing, see if we can figure out how to how to better suit your all's needs and uh, figure out what folks actually want instead of us saying, all right, we're we're the we're the all-knowing farmer. We're gonna put together what we want to do. Uh, we're real big on trying to figure out what our customers want to see and then trying to be flexible enough to meet that need on our end. So in talking to folks, we realize that they're was a desire for both some folks having a smaller CSA, a smaller size, all the way up to a bigger size. So pretty much anything from a from an individual or a couple uh, can get the could get the small uh, meat or vegetable CSA, and that will be a lot of your uh, pretty well cover your needs, but not give you too much food. All the way up to the large CSA, where if you have a larger family. Uh, you could get that and and really be able to meet a lot of your needs through that with a with a larger family. But one thing that we don't want to do, and and kind of why we offer the different sizes, which a lot of farms also don't do that. Uh, a lot of farms just have a single size. Uh, we don't want to make it so that folks are not using all their food. They're stressing over that. I know that's one thing that. 
when we and other farmers have talked to customers about CSAs in particular, that's one thing that stresses folks out is like they're getting all this food, but they're not able to use it all. And they're like feel bad because they're not able to use it. And then you got the arugula goes bad in the back of the fridge or something because you just didn't get all eat up before the next weeks came. So we, uh, we offer those different sizes to, so folks aren't getting, aren't getting painted into a corner. So they're able to decide what works out best for them. Uh, for us, that gives us a lot more, uh, just knowing how many, CSAs we have going out and of what size that lets us plan, lets Maggie plan really. I say us, Maggie's the one doing all the vegetable stuff. <laughs> she's she's the brains of that operation. I'm, I'm not smart enough to do it. But uh, she that gives her an idea of exactly what she needs to be planting all of her successions because she's got stuff going year round and, and what needs to be going in the ground when. Uh, so works out good for us and we think it, uh, we, we hope it works out well for customers. We think it does. So that's really, really what we're trying to do with those two things. And then of course there are, like I said, some, uh, some other places, uh, Moonbow, Moonbow Mercantile down Williamsburg sells some of her products. Uh, the Wrigley is a absolutely awesome place, uh, that you can go and, and, uh, find some of her products, uh, about any time you're down there and uh, even if they don't have any of our products on the menu they partner with a ton of other local farmers to turn out good stuff so you're not you're not gonna not gonna be sad going to either one of those places for sure and, and uh, seeing what's what's available what's on tap yeah so um Shifting gears a little bit, well, I kind of want to know about like the meat production side of things. Um, so on your website, when we're whenever we're doing like research, it states that your meat is grass fed. And so we really want to know like what difference does this make to consumers? And also I want to say the fact that you take into account your consumers' opinions about your business. Um, excuse my dog, she is barking. Um, really my family's dog, but um you know, the fact that you take your consumers' ideas and opinions into account really speaks to the kind of um, company that you all are because a lot of larger corporations um, won't do that. And so, like, I think that, and I'm sure Billy does too, that, that it's really noble and um, really an honorable uh, business practice. Um, but back to grass-fed meat, is there any sort of consumer benefits or health benefits? And also just what kind of meats do you sell? Yeah, so the, uh, so the meats that we're selling, we, uh, we sell primarily beef and pork. Uh, we have sold lamb in the past. Uh, we, we probably will again at some point in the future. Uh, and uh, we do sell do sell eggs and have done chicken in the past, although don't know if that's uh, don't know if that's on the table in the immediate future again. Meat chickens, but uh, yeah, mostly mostly beef and pork. Uh, you know the pork. Uh, it's it's uh, we do uh, typically raise it on pasture, so we've got some uh, we've got some wooded areas, uh, especially on our farm, uh, the farm that Maggie and I bought had uh, not been in production for about about 15 years when we bought it, hadn't had anything going on on it 
really. Uh, there had been one corn crop. There was actually a, a gentleman who put some corn out. Well, one of my cousins had uh, put a corn crop out the uh, year that we bought it. But that was the first time in about 15 years anything had been done on the farm. So it was pretty grown up. And uh, that being the case, we've got some areas that are uh, kind of brushy, uh, not uh, not what you would think about it. It, uh, it doesn't look like a bluegrass horse farm. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it like that. No, but what that does lend itself to is uh, for us on on this farm in particular is having having some uh, pigs out there. So they're on the pasture. Uh, we like to get them on pasture. Uh, they are. They do have grain that they can eat, so they're not grass fed. But then a, a pig uh, can't really digest grass. Now, when you look at our other animals, uh, the the cattle, the the sheep, and the goats, the really cool thing about all those animals is they're they're ruminants. So they've got uh, they're got multi chambered stomachs, and what it allows them to do is eat grass and in turn uh, digest the grass and really utilize that. Uh, and ruminants are one of the few classes of animals that can do that. So there are other ruminants, of course, but uh, sheep, goats, and cattle are the ones that we raise. And that's great for us here in East Kentucky uh, because if you look around, I'm, we've, we've got a lot of hillsides, right? <laughs> so my uh we have a lot of we do have some open ground we we're really really lucky that we do have some uh a little bit of bottom land certainly more than uh certainly more than where i was raised up at uh we have on our farms right now but still even though we've got some bottom land we've got a tremendous amount of pasture that's on the hillside so really the only way to utilize the grass that that pasture that's growing on a hillside too steep to get a tractor on it really uh or steeper than you should probably be trying to cut hay off of it is to put animals on it to put livestock on it that can utilize that grass so really what we're doing with the livestock is utilizing the resource that we have uh, this grass on the on the steeper areas on the hills as well as in the bottoms so that was a big part of the reason why we got into doing grass fed it was a uh, it was really came down to input cost uh initially you can raise a cow on just grass you can also give them grain but uh but for us when we were just starting out uh back in the early 2000s mid 2000s uh again really just trying to learn what we we're doing but we could see pretty quickly that we needed to keep our input cost down it might not make sense to be uh, putting a tremendous amount of money into each of the individual animals by feeding them. Now, as it turns out, as we got to doing a little bit more research, there's actually a lot of, uh, there's there's a fair amount of research out there that does demonstrate that there are health benefits to eating grass-fed meat uh, compared, to, compared to eating uh, animals that have been grain fed and, and again talking specifically about ruminants now so i mean a lot more the some of the omega-3 fatty acids and and things of that nature are have been shown to be much much higher in grass-fed animals versus in grain-fed animals because they are out there but for us i mean that's that's very important 
but it was also really something that we could do that worked for us here in East Kentucky on these steeper slopes. Uh, it allows us to utilize the pasture that we have without having a huge amount of input costs. Well, who knows? We might have might have went a different route if we had uh, uh, been farming in in Iowa or Nebraska or somewhere that's in the in the corn belt and uh, had just seen that. But learning the way we did, and then after we saw some of the some of the health benefits that we believe is there and that we believe is supported by the research, for us it was just kind of a uh, kind of a no brainer to to stick with that and to really just focus on what we were able to do with our land base and just focusing on our land base. Now I will say it's not. Uh, it's not as fast. It's not all roses. I mean, those are the benefits, but it's uh, it's not quite as easy to raise animals and certainly not to raise a well-finished. So an animal that uh, that has that, that you would expect to go to a, to a good restaurant and buy uh, to buy a steak, uh, for instance, from an animal that's been well-finished and it has marbling in it and things of that nature. Uh, that's tougher to do on grass. It really kind of cuts down the amount of the amount of the time of the year when we can do it. We have two or three periods of the year for several months where we can do that and we can get that animal finished. It takes them a little bit longer uh, instead of being able to instead of being able to finish a animal off and uh, a beef cow, for instance, and have it ready to go the process or it maybe. 18 months of age, like you might be doing if you had it on a, uh, had it uh, on a grain diet, it's going to take us probably 22 months uh, to get a, get an animal. So several months longer. So there are some efficiencies that we're giving up, but again, for our operation and for how we, for how we want to operate and for the product that we're hoping to turn out, it's, it's worked out really well for us. And, and, uh, that's, that's kind of why we've stayed on that path. Yeah, managing uh, responsiveness and efficiency can always be a little tricky, especially with farming and beef cattle. Um, I, whenever I was in high school, I competed in beef and property speaking for FFA. <laughs> and like I said earlier, I was never a farmer. I never raised livestock. And my FFA instructor put me in his office with <clears> – <throat> a huge notebook or binder full of information. And it, there was so much that went into that. It was so complicated. If, if you do one thing, you have to do another. And it's just so complex. And it was really hard to understand when you had never done any of that before. Yeah. Um, as we approach the end of the episode, I've got a couple more questions. Um, what do you see in the future of Old Home Place Farm? For us, I think, uh, I really do think that we just want to continue on providing as, as good of a product. I mean, a premium product at a fair price that, that people here in the region can afford and really just focus on that. So we don't really have any, uh, don't really have any goals, uh, per se in terms of, of growth metrics that we're trying to hit or anything like that. We are very much of the mindset that if, 
we keep turning out a, an awesome product and we keep focusing on making our customers happy and, and focusing on those relationships with our customers that, uh, that everything else will probably work out. Uh, no, obviously it, it is, it is run the business. It is a business. We still have to focus on that side of things and make sure that, uh, that the numbers are adding up. But uh, we do feel like it's a lot easier to do that if we're focusing again on the on the first two things: awesome product and and uh, providing providing value that our customers are looking for. So that's kind of what we're doing. That's uh, kind of where we see ourselves going over the next few years. Uh, really, just trying to trying to always do better. I mean, always trying to turn out uh, turn out a product that we can be proud of and and uh really just working working within the community to do that so that's kind of where we're at today and that's the direction that we see ourselves moving on into the future as well are there any um projects that the farm's involved in that you'd like to plug before we end you know, other than uh, not maybe not the farm itself. I mean, we we are very much. I mean, we're very much in the community and a part of the community. So, I mean, it's uh, one of the things that we often think about. That I often think about is just how much a part of our, uh, how much a part of the fabric of our lives, the farm itself is. So, I know a lot of people. Uh, it, it's uh, fashionable these days to try to draw a draw a hard line like work-life balance and this is this is this is work this is life outside of work this is life inside of work and uh and i get that but that's not really what we're trying to do we're really are it is a uh it's a lifestyle it's a business but it's also a, a lifestyle that uh, we feel's really working out really good for us something that we're really really proud and really happy to be a part of so that's uh that's kind of where we're at i wouldn't say there are any projects per se other than just us living our lives and uh trying to trying to go out and and do what we do with folks in the in the community and always looking for ways that we can we can add more i mean that's one thing about we do do have a good time with what we're doing. It's uh, stressful sometimes, but it, at the end of the day and at the end of the year, it is fun. It's great to look back and see where we've been, what we've done, uh, think about ways that we can get better next year. So again, not necessarily getting getting bigger for the sake of getting bigger, but how we can how we can get better, how we can turn out a uh, a better product or a new system or a better process that we can put into place. So that's kind of where we're at now and uh, really how we're excited to move forward. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to go ahead and plug your website, oldhomeplacefarm.com. Um, for our listeners, that will also be linked in the episode synopsis. Um, and from there, you can access their store, their um, CSA program, and those bouquets of flowers that uh, you folks need to need to jump on the bandwagon for. Um, but thank you so much, Will, for for being here today and speaking with us. You all are doing awesome work, and um, I can't wait to see where you all go in the future. And, you know, you're fighting the good fight. You're employing people from Appalachia. You're serving people from Appalachia, and you're having a dang good time doing it. And so that's really all you can ask for um, 
for a small business in Eastern Kentucky. So um, thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And we really appreciate you. Um, this is my last episode and Billy's last episode of the season. And so we're thankful to all of our guests and all of our listeners who have lended their time and their ears. And for the last time, I'm Stacy. And I'm Billy. And we'll holler at you later. <laughs>